the world's fitness industry is worth $100 billion. The global diet industry is worth $269 billion. And the world's beauty industry is worth $500 billion. Diet industry, fitness industry, health and beauty industry. Yet, our mental health is as worse as it's ever been. Suicide rates are on the increase. Mental health disorders from anxiety and depression are so prevalent that we need to break the taboo around it so people actually go and get help. Eating disorders are on the rise. All of these things are happening to us. Yet, the diet and fitness industry is still making a whole bunch of money. We are more obese than we've ever been in the history of the world. And yet, we're not fit, we're not healthy. Why not? Why is it that these beauty, health, diet and fitness industries make so much money, yet we are in the worst shape that we have ever been? Let's think about that. <laughs> Lovely. The message is clear. What you look like and who you are is not enough. And if you change what you have, what you look like, and who you are, you will be happy, fulfilled, and most importantly, you will be valuable and have worth in this world. But only, but only if you manage to change everything about yourself, if you manage to defy age, if you manage to have a slim waist, a big butt, ample bosom, toned arms, strong legs, and a wrinkle-free face, then you will be worthy. Good luck. Welcome to episode 14 of Self Love Lessons with Luna. All of my work is about unraveling, unraveling everything that we think about ourselves in our heads, because that's where our self-consciousness comes from, our low self-esteem, our poor body image isn't has very little to do with what's going on in our body and who we are, but it more has got to do with what's going up in between our ears. And for the most part, what's going on between our ears is what needs to change. It's not your body. It's not what you're doing. It sometimes, actually maybe quite a lot, is what society is moving towards, but mostly it's going on up here. And it's not to say that it's your fault, though. You've been conditioned this way. And whether or not you've been conditioned this way from your family growing up, that was really a big part of conditioning for me. Whether or not it's just that your parents didn't know how to love themselves, so they possibly could not teach you how to love yourself. Or, in this week's episode, this is what we're really going to look into. What are these industries making a lot of money at our low self-esteem? I'm not saying that they're all evil. What I am trying to get a message across to you is so that you know wholeheartedly what you're up against. What is actually coming into your brain every second of every day that's sending you a message to tell you that you're not good enough. This is happening all the time across media, across advertising, across everything that you digest and ingest. It's coming your way to tell you that you're not good enough. So with this knowledge, we are able to better prepare ourselves. Prepare ourselves for the pressure that is coming 
on us from every single different angle. If you're too fat, then you've got to get thin, but don't get too thin because now you have to be healthy skinny. But make sure that you still have enough roundness on you so that your butt can twerk big enough and make sure that you have a good enough cleavage because nobody wants a flat chest. But you have to make sure that you have a flat stomach to go along with that. You need to have enough fat on your body to be round here and round down below, but make sure that you're not round anywhere else in your body. It's impossible. From diet culture to the bottom lines of these industries, we have been sent a message that tells us that we are not good enough. We don't necessarily need to change that messaging, but what we do need to do is think about what's happening, be aware of it. When we can notice the way in which advertisers are getting to us, we can make a choice to turn that off and choose love instead. Here's a little example for you. Before 1972, women worldwide didn't think much about cellulite. We had no label for the word cellulite and women weren't particularly fussed about these kind of dimples in our body. We weren't really fussed about these different layers. I mean, maybe some women were, but it wasn't a thing that we had to go fix. In 1972, a woman named Nicole Ronsard started delivering procedures to get rid of cellulite. Yes, ladies, cellulite. She started getting rid of them. She wrote a book about cellulite and then she was interviewed in Vogue magazine. We all know Vogue, one of the biggest publications in the world, sending huge messages to many, many women across the planet. In that article that made Vogue, Nicole spoke about cellulite being a disfiguring attribute of the female body. It was a disfigurement that if we had cellulite on our body, it was disfigured and we ought to change it. This is how powerful this stuff can be because very quickly, Nicole became a millionaire. And very quickly, it got into the psyche of us female minds that cellulite, rather than just being a different shape of our skin, became a disfigurement, something that we had to get rid of. And even now, today, when cellulite is being seen as something that is we have to get rid of and it's disgusting and awful, moving towards 2020, where cellulite is kind of a little bit more socially acceptable these days. Because you'll see people who are quite skinny with cellulite. We now understand that cellulite has less to do with your body fat and more to do with your skin underneath it. Yet, cellulite still scares the crap out of so many women. Because, let's face it, do you see any women in any of our media and any of our magazines that are polished and perfect with cellulite? No, they're photoshopped. They're taken over. 1972 changed cellulite for every single woman in the world. <sighs> because of one person's idea about how our body should look like. And then a really big corporation's idea to publish that and to make it worldwide known. It's not Nicole's fault. Nicole thought she was doing something wonderful in the world, presumably. I'm a benefit of the doubt kind of girl. I also don't think that every single media company, every single beauty, fashion, health and fitness and diet industry people are sitting around going, I want everybody in the world to feel like crap about themselves so they buy more of our stuff. I'm, look, 
I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're not sitting around a board table on their Monday morning thinking, how can we make Luna Guy feel like crap and make more money? I'm not saying that that's exactly what's happening. I've never been in those board meetings. I never know the intention of the advertising. What I do know is that when we become aware of what the messaging is, then we're far more resilient towards it. Our self-esteem can actually grow out of the pit that it kind of sits in really low and we can actually strengthen ourselves. We can build our resilience, feel better about ourselves and actually get the happiness that we're looking for in those products that every single time fail to deliver. Do you think that you would like your body hair if we lived in a world that told us that it was okay to have it? Like your leg hair, your armpit hair, your pubic hair, your moustache hair, your eyebrow hair. All of this has been conditioned with us over a very long period of time. Back in ancient Egypt, we were told that body hair was to do with cleanliness. So if you didn't have body hair, then you were more clean or you were more wealthy. As time has gone on, the whole body hair thing has changed and shaped and men have to keep their beards or they're not keeping their beards or whatever it happens to be. Body hair has been closely linked with our beauty over the years. I remember being about 22 and I thought to myself, I've never seen what my armpit hair looks like, ever. Because when it first started growing out when I was about 11, I instantly shaved it because that was what I was told I had to do. Ew, nobody wants to see your body hair. So I just shaved it for years. It was the same with my legs and it was, when I got older, the same with my bikini line. So I just did it anyway. As I said, when I got to about 20, I thought, I wonder what it looks like. So I decided to grow it just to find out, to explore, to discover. What does it look like? Do I prefer it? I started unraveling each and every single one of the media's layers of beauty and decide whether or not I like it. Every year there is a festival for women only down in Victoria. It's an absolutely beautiful festival. I speak there for the last couple of years and I'm speaking in the next one coming up in March. And at that festival, I have a little bit of a thing that I do. Come and watch me, it's quite exciting. So if you ever get to Seven Sisters Festival, come and see me. I'm not gonna give it away. But at some point you might see my body hair. And for the last one that I was at, my body hair happened to be shaved. I had shaved my legs and I had shaved my armpits for the occasion. And I speak about body love and a woman came up and spoke to me afterwards and says, if you love your body so much, why on earth have you gotten rid of its hair? And I thought about that for a moment. Because body love isn't about having to take your body exactly how it comes. I love my body and I enjoy my body hair. I'm not ashamed of my pubic hair, my armpit hair or my leg hair. In fact, right now, if you could see my legs, they are as hairy as they come. Because right now I just don't care. And I go through phases where I wanna shave it. In the same way that I go through phases where I wanna wash my hair, I wanna dye different colors. In the same way that sometimes I feel like wearing makeup, most of the time I don't feel like wearing makeup. The beautiful thing about having to come to conclusions of your own is that you get to decide at any given moment. If I want to grow out one armpit and keep the other one shaven, rock on, my choice. That's the beautiful thing about it. And that's the conclusion that I came to with my armpit hair. I can absolutely go out in a singlet or in a dress with armpit hair, you probably can't even see it, 
and not really give a crap. And some days I look at it and go, oh yeah, well, I shaved that. So I do. I'm no longer bound by the confines of what I think I should or should not do. It is bound by who I want to be at any given point in time. Sometimes I want to have shaved smooth legs. Sometimes I don't care. Over the course of history, the ideal body type for women has changed dramatically. In the 1200s, what they were looking for was slender, high-waisted, narrow shoulders. We needed to be small. This is 1200 BC. We have literal data of 1200 BC or what the ideal woman's body type was. In 300 BC, it was a plump figure, full-bodied was what was revered in the female body form. In 200 BC, when you're looking at the Ming Dynasty, small feet, slender, tiny, was what we wanted to accomplish. Fast forward to the 1400s, this is AD, and we wanted ample bosoms, a, a, even a rounded stomach, and a, that full figure, that full hips kind of very voluptuous figure was on vogue at the time. In the 1800s, it was that plump, full figure once again, because being round was associated with being wealthy. We could afford to eat all the food, so it was glorified. If you come forward to like the, the roaring 20s that we had, it became really quite boyish, flat-chested, really quite, uh, yeah, little boy in the, in the character that women had to look like. From the 30s to the 50s, it was curves, but with a small waist. Think that Marilyn Monroe, even though she came a bit later. It was that tiny little waist. We, had, we got cinched in all the time, but wanted that big hourglass figure. In the 1960s, it was that willowy kind of angelic kind of physique. It was adolescent in it. It wasn't that curvy, no breasts. It was just that very youthful looking appearance. By the 80s, we're coming into that kind of athletic, that tall, the lean, think Naomi Campbell. You know, she wasn't skinny, but she was tough and lean, but long and slender. The supermodel era hit by the 1980s. By the 90s, we were looking into wafer thin. Think Kate Moss, that, and the androgynous of just like extreme thin, gaunt looking, very, very sick. That became all over our magazines, all over the media. And now, in 2020, it's all of the things. We, like I said before, you now have to have a flat stomach, but you need to have perky, sexy boobs. You need to have a twerkable ass with thick thighs, but a thigh gap, right? So there are all these impossible media expectations that we now have. If you think about it, 99.9%, dare I say it, of media images that we see aren't real. They're sucked in, they're filtered, they're photoshopped, the cellulite's being blurred out. Now it's beautiful because I've started to see a bit of a trend moving towards unphotoshopped images. I think I saw in bras and things not long ago, women, they're curvier with stomachs and a bit of cellulite, dare I say it. It's wonderful to see this imagery changing. 99% of it still suggests that we need to be something that is impossible. Maybe there are some bodies out there that can cope with having an extremely flat stomach with a big butt and big boobs, but most of the time that's plastic surgery. We do not look like that by nature. I have ample bosoms because I got ample body, baby. Typically goes with it.
There are some women out there who have ample bosoms with a flat body. It is more uncommon than you think. Bigger boobs, bigger bum comes with bigger waist, comes with bigger thighs most of the time. We need to stop chasing this utterly impossible goal. It has changed so much over our entire lives. This idea that women have to be something. And what it's really saying is that we are an object. It's the objectification of women in the forefront of sitting in the, in the realm of misogyny and patriarchy that suggests that we are but a possession. We are but something, that little object that maybe sits ornamentally on the shelf and looks a certain way for the male gaze, looks a certain way for our gaze, looks a certain way to distract us from who we could possibly be in the world. Who do you want to be? What do you want to contribute to the world? What do you want to give that's far beyond and far bigger than whether or not you fit into some kind of category of the last 3,000 years of body image pressure that has been given to us? Who do you want to be? What do you want to give? What do you want to contribute? Because this whole ideal body is going to change. The way that the wifey needs to be and the woman needs to be is going to change. It is changing, it's always changing. And you can try to keep up with whatever that is fabricating, or you can get on with giving your heart to the world. The latter is my wish for each and every single one of you. I wanna see you shine in your bigness, in the bigness of your heart and the bigness of your soul, because that is what the world needs. Not your cinched waist, your flat stomach, your ample bosoms and your twerkable ass. So I hope with this knowledge that you can be more prepared, more educated as to what the world expects of you. So you can start making different choices. Yes, what's going on up between here definitely needs to be reworked and rewired. And check out some of my other episodes to be able to learn how to do that. How to unravel some of the negative self-talk how to overcome fear, how to deal with what's going on in your mind. But this episode, I hope that you can really take away that it's not all just what's happening inside of you. It's being bombarded to you bit by bit by bit on a regular basis. And armed with that knowledge, you can walk out into the world being a little bit more confident that if you have really high self-esteem, all those businesses tend to lose a lot of money. There's a lot of industries out there that make a ton of bottom line at us hating ourselves. I don't believe it's everybody's responsibility to change the media and what's going on. I'd like to help change the media and what's going on. But for each and every single one of us, what we can do is make different choices. Don't buy that trashy magazine that tells you <clears throat> how to lose five kilos fast. Don't buy into the messaging that says that you're not enough. Even if it says on the magazine, love yourself, and then every second other page is some photoshopped image of a woman. Be careful. Think twice about what's happening here. And surround yourself with images of beauty that are so far beyond and bigger than what the physical looks like. Who are the women in your life that inspire you? Who do you go, man, that woman's incredible because of what she does and who she is, not just for what she looks like. 
surround yourself with different images of beauty. Beauty from the heart, not just beauty from the eyes. Start by finding what lights you up. Look within. What makes you come alive? That's what the world needs more of. I have a few female role models that I absolutely adore. There's a woman called Tess Holiday. She's the first plus-size supermodel. Whether or not you agree with her diet or blah, I don't care. What she is doing is showing a different model. People like Lizzo, she's a different role model in this world. I love people like Ellen for her authenticity. Go after someone like Brene Brown who talks about courage. These people. Emma Watson who stands for something. Even Taylor Swift's new documentary on Netflix is absolutely outstanding way to see how women have been forced to believe that what our body is is the most important thing. I'm here to tell you that's not true. It's your heart. It is your soul. It is your beautiful mind. Give that to the world. Your body will decay. Your beauty will fade. But the light in your heart never will. New episodes are out every Friday, my friends. And if you have received some value from today, please share it with somebody that you know and love. Perhaps there's someone that needs to hear this fabrication that's happening in the world. Perhaps they need to hear that they're magnificent truly within themselves. I know that I like the reminders and I'm sure that you do too. You can listen on the podcast every single week. Plus there's self-love lifts on the podcast as well. Tune in on the YouTube channel where they're posted there. If not, catch me on Instagram TV as well as Facebook. I'm on Twitter and TikTok and LinkedIn. So all the places that you could possibly grab me, just do. And please, in the meantime, happy self-loving.